Do what? What day is William's birthday on? I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Christ is risen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke, the 23rd chapter, um, verses uh, 50 through, um, okay, the 23rd chapter, starting with verse 50 through 24, 8. Hear now the word of our Lord. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no body had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw that the tomb and how his body was laying in it. They went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. All right, I I need y'all to remember that. Um... So I was preparing for this sermon. I thought about a uh, a story I love. Um, you know, uh, we're going to uh, baptize our confirmation um, kids down at the river uh, when we get a chance. And I just uh, I just love Riverside baptisms. Um, in our church, we'll do it any way you want us to do it. We'll, we'll sprinkle. We'll pour. We'll take you to the river. We'll dunk you because. You know, in our way of thinking, it's about what the Holy Spirit does and, and not about how wet you get. But, um, but there's just something really nice about a Riverside baptism. And there's this story about this, uh, this church. They're doing this Riverside baptism, and, uh, and they're baptizing several individuals. And John, the town drunk, stumbles on this Riverside baptism, And not really knowing what's going on, he just sort of gets in line behind others being baptized. And um, 
And uh, when it comes, uh, John the town junk's turn uh, to be baptized, um, the preacher is looking at him thinking, well, this is highly irregular, but it might do him some good. And so uh, he takes John and, and he, he, uh, he uh, dunks him under the water, and pulls him back up, and, uh, and John, uh, his, his eyes are wide and he looks surprised, and he says, um, he says, is John, have you found Jesus? And, uh, and, and his eyes get even wider. And so, so the preacher thinks he's, he's, really, he's really getting through to John, and maybe one more dunk will do it. And so uh, he, he takes John and he dunks him uh, under the water again and, uh, and then brings him back up. And he says, 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 John, have you found Jesus? This time, John is pale and he's shaking, and the preacher's thinking, John's really having a moment here. And so uh, he dunks him under one more time and, uh, and, and holds him under a, a good long time and, uh, and then pulls him back up and says, John, have you found Jesus? And, uh, and, and John spits some water out and says, says Pastor, uh, I've not seen him. Are you sure this is where he fell in at? <laughs> Have you found Jesus? It's a question that we church people ask, and we just expect the rest of the world to know what we're talking about. Um, maybe uh, many of us, many people out in the world respond to that question the way Forrest Gump did. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. Have you found Jesus? See, um, our passage this morning is uh, uh, about a mystery that has happened at the tomb. No one knows where Jesus is. We see the women uh, uh, go to the tomb um, uh, uh, on, on, on Friday, and, uh, and, and they see where Jesus is laid. And they go home and they prepare the spices because, because they're going to come back and they're going to, uh, to, to, um, to prepare Jesus for his burial. But the next day is the Sabbath. And you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And so they wait a whole day before they go back to the tomb. And in this day, something has occurred because they get to the tomb and Jesus isn't where they left him. He's missing. They get to the tomb and the stone has been rolled away and there's just strips of linen and they can't figure out quite what is going on. It's just they're wondering about this. Where did Jesus go? He was right here when we left, now he's gone. Have you ever lost Jesus? Have you ever come to the place where you're expecting to find him and he just didn't show up? And you say, I could have swore I left him here. I, I could have swore that this was a time and place that Jesus Jesus. This is where I'm supposed to find them. Have you ever come here on a Sunday morning expecting to find Jesus just as you left him and then left church kind of bummed? 
He really didn't show up today the way he did last week. I could have swore we left him here. I, I, I could have swore Jesus was here last Sunday. What happened? This is a state the women are in. What has happened to Jesus? He was right here when we left him. Now he's gone. But the angels come with good news. Christ is risen. They come with good news. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. They say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Why do we look for the living among the dead? That's a kind of a, a deep philosophical question when you think about it. Why do we look for the living among the dead? Why do we look for Jesus in those dead places? Like many of you, I've watched on Monday um, like a, a, a live stream as uh, the Nogar Dom Cathedral burned. It was such an arresting image and it moved me in a way that I really wasn't quite expecting to watch, you know, that, um, that, 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 that symbol of something burn. And it bothered me and I couldn't figure out why. And I knew that it was symbolic of something, and I couldn't figure out what. And so I've been turning the image over and over in my head, probably like many of you, all week. Why did that bother me so much? I'm not Catholic. I'm not French. Why do I care? Here's what I've come at. Notre Dame Cathedral was probably the most recognizable symbol of something that used to exist that doesn't exist anymore. We used to call it Christendom, this, this, this idea of, of, a, of a united um, uh, a Christian people in Europe, you know, all of us singing out of the same hymnal and in uh, and, and, and Notre Dame is probably one of the um, most recognizable symbols of that. A time when, when, we were, when we were all one. And then came the Reformation and, and we split off into our groups. And then came um, the rise of secularism in Europe. And, uh, and staggered by about 50 years and now on our side of the ocean as well. And, and, and that cathedral is like a symbol of, of a Europe that doesn't exist anymore and a symbol of a church that doesn't exist anymore. It's a reminder of a time when, when, the, when the highest buildings in the world were not uh, financial institutions, but they were churches pointing to the heavens. And watching that cathedral burn, it was like almost symbolic of, of what has been happening in the church for a hundred years. The disrepair, the, the, the slow burn of our Christian 
institutions. Like many of you, I saw that haunting photograph that, that showed the, uh, the, the inside of the, of, of the cathedral. And of course, uh, there's a very little light and it's, it's all ashen and, and that one gold cross still standing. And it looked to me something like a tomb. And having this passage bouncing around in my head, I thought of those words. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do we expect Jesus to be where we left him? And not out there in the world doing a new thing. I think sometimes we cling to the past so tight. We cling to our traditions so tight. We cling to the way things were so tight that we're, we're, we're clinging to these dead spaces. And that's not where Jesus lives because Christ has risen. Christ has risen. And he's not going to stay where we left him. He's out there doing a new thing in the world. And as a church, we've got to figure out what that is and be a part of it. It's not cathedrals anymore. It's something else. And we've got to figure out what that is. What are our tombs? What are our cathedrals? What are those things that that we cling to as a church just out of habit? Those dead spaces that that we used to encounter Jesus in, but we do no longer. And now we just keep coming back to that same well, expecting to see him, but we don't. What are those things for us that it's time to let go of? I think some of us might prefer a dead Jesus to a living one. When I was in high school, I had this movie that I really loved. I went from like heady philosophical, let's talk about cathedrals, to let me talk to you about Weekend at Bernie's. Okay, has anyone ever seen Weekend at Bernie's? Okay, all right, couple singers in the back over there. Um, Weekend at Bernie's was this movie that was popular when I was in high school. It's about these two, I, don't know, I guess, kind of, kind of partiers. And, um, and, uh, and one of them's boss is a guy named Bernie. And somehow they wind up at Bernie's home. And it's this big, um, lavish, you know, mansion kind of a thing. And, um, and they get Bernie's uh, home for the weekend. Um, only one thing happens, Bernie dies. And they want to keep the party going and keep the good times going. And so they can't let people know that Bernie is dead. And so they wind up, you know, um, propping up this, this corpse and taking him around. And they put, put shades on his eyes and, and a hat on. And, and they'll have him talk to people and they'll nod his head. And, uh, and he just sits there with his arms crossed looking approvingly at the party. Um, I can't tell you you should watch that movie, but I like it. But here's the point I'm trying to make with Weekend at Bernie's. Some of us like the idea of a Jesus that we can just drag around wherever we want. We can make him nod his head yes when we want uh, him to, to, to approve what we're doing. 
Um, we can make him shake his head no when we want him to tell those other people over there that, that, that they're bad, right? We can just take him around and make him do what we want him to do. We can prop him up uh, on the front pew and, and, and he'll just uh, look approvingly at us while, while, we, while we carry on in his name. But a living Christ will not stay put. He will not stay where we left him. He will not be predictable. We'll open the box that we made for him and discover that he is missing. You ever sing that song in Sunday school? I wish I had a little white box to put my Jesus in. I'd take him out and share him with a friend. Only me? Only me? Cool. That's cool. Some of us like that little white box Jesus. We just put him in his little box. We could carry him around. And, and, and when we feel like he should say something, we'll open the box and we'll bring him out and, and let him say something. If he gets, you know, uh, uh, says to saying something a little uncomfortable, put him back in the box, shut him up, put him on the shelf. We like the idea of a Jesus that we control, but the living Christ, the living Christ will not stay put. He will not stay in the box that, that we put him in. There is no stone heavy enough to roll around the mouth of that tomb to make him stay put. And when we discover that he's not where we left him, it's our job to figure out what he's out there doing and be a part of it. The living Christ doesn't play by our rules. We play by his. I saw, um, uh, maybe it was two weeks ago, they, they took the photograph of the black hole. Did anyone see the photograph of the black hole? Here's the crazy thing about photographing a black hole. You can't see a black hole. By definition, um, a black hole just uh, absorbs all light into itself. All you see is blackness. But what was all that in the picture, right? It was all the light and the activity surrounding the black hole. As a preacher, that gets my little preacher antenna going, right? When I hear something like that. That, 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 that sometimes we can't see, um, see Jesus, right? But we see all the light and all the activity going on around him. We see the ripples of his presence in the world, and we can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Christ is risen. We can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Christ is risen. We don't have to see his body, to know that he is risen. Because Christ is risen, because, because he lives, we do have hope in this world. Because he lives, we know that, that, that we do not walk alone. That no matter what we go through in life, no matter how, how dark see, things seem, that he is beside us and that he will not depart from us. Because, because he lives, we can know that, that, that no matter what we've, we've done in this life, no matter 
who we've hurt, no matter how, how much the weight of that still pains us, that he is able to conquer it, that he is able to be victorious over it, and then so are we. We know that because Christ is risen. risen Because he lives, we can have hope in a future. We can know that, 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 that death is not the end. That, that the, the, the period on the end of the sentence of our life is actually just a comma pointing into eternity. We can know that because Christ is risen. Amen. I remember reading a story about a little boy named Philip. He was eight years old and he has Down syndrome. And it's really hard for kids like that to connect with other kids. Um, uh, kids can be cruel. They, you know, don't always understand. Adults don't always understand Down syndrome. And, um, and so uh, Philip and his family were moving to a new area, and they were getting acclimated. And, um, and so they, they moved to a new church. And Philip was blessed because he had a wonderful Sunday school teacher. And the Sunday school teacher did her best to, uh, to have the other kids um, surround Philip and make him feel special. One morning um, in Sunday school, it was the morning after Easter, um, uh, the Sunday school teacher gets out, um, and she has a box of those, uh, you know, big giant eggs that uh, pantyhose used to come in. Maybe they still do. I'm not up on pantyhose. Um, but, but these big, huge eggs. And, uh, and, she gave, and she gave everyone in the class one of these plastic eggs. And um, this is a great idea, Sunday school teachers, because it kills a lot of time. All right, and, and, and she sent them outside and said, I want you to find a symbol of new life, and I want you to put it in the egg. And so all the kids run around. The Sunday school teacher um, waits for about 15 minutes, and then they all, they all come back in, and, uh, and they bring her the eggs, and she opens them one by one. Other flowers in there. Um, some kid found a shell of, of, of a robin's egg, um, uh, all these symbols of new life. Um, the, uh, the Sunday school teacher is getting to the end, and she opens one of these eggs, and it's empty. And, um, and then uh, some of the, the, the kids in the class start to giggle. And, uh, and the Sunday school teacher, just uh, not wanting to embarrass poor Philip, um, just you know, tries to quickly move on. But Philip raises his hand and says, says that egg was mine. Um, I, I, I made it empty because of the empty tomb. And the empty tomb reminds us of new life. And from that point on, like all the kids in that class knew, Philip was special. and We should probably listen to him. And none of the kids teased him. In fact, about a year later, um, 
Philip died of a, of, of, of a comp, like an infection that you know most kids would just shake off, but uh, but kids with Down syndrome have have trouble. And at the funeral, the Sunday school class was trying to decide what to do. They didn't bring flowers, but each of them, um, when they came up uh, to the casket, they brought one of those pantyhose eggs, an empty one, and they set it on the altar as a reminder of new life, of hope. We don't always see Jesus. But we see the ripples. We see the light surrounding what he's doing. And then we know. We know we serve a risen Christ. We know that he is out in the world and, may, and maybe not in the dead spaces that, that we need to learn to say goodbye to. But somewhere else he's out there doing something. And as a church, we are called to be a part of it. I'm not a theologian. Um, uh, Soon I'll have my license to preach uh, in a couple months. But I can't answer all of your big and you know important questions all the time. Sometimes y- y'all will email me with stuff, and I'm like, I don't know. Read a Max Lucado book or something. But I know this: Christ is risen. That's all you need to know. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen.